Welcome, welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 152, your NFL Week 11 edition. Great to have you guys with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. It is always appreciated. We're closing the show, like always, with your picks. We're going to go to Vegas in just a little bit to talk to our guest. But, 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 before anything else, I wanted to lay out next week our schedule for Thanksgiving. What we're aiming for at the current moment is an episode on Monday dedicated to, A, the Monday night football game between the Rams and the Chiefs, and B, the three NFL games that will be played on Thursday. Come Tuesday, we're hoping to drop two episodes, one for college football, one for the remaining NFL slate. So just file that away as we try to get you set for the holiday weekend. Make a little money, have a little wine if you're of age, say hi to family. Great weekend to be gambling on football. So that's the schedule for next week. But before we get to a guest, before we get to picks, before we get to anything else, you know how we do. Thank you very much, Philadelphia, for falling flat on your face at home against Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday night. So the six-point teaser of the week, last week loses. We're now 7-3 and three on the season. This week, we're going back to the well with the Los Angeles Chargers. Tease them from minus 7 to minus 1 as they host the Denver Broncos. When the topic of NFL offenses in the year 2018 comes up, all the attention is generally paid to the Rams and the Chiefs who are tied for first in the NFL in yards per play. What most people, however, fail to realize is that the Rams and Chiefs aren't the only offense in the NFL averaging a league high 6.9 yards per play this season. Enter Phillip Rivers and the Los Angeles Chargers, who have won six straight by an average of 10.8 points per game while covering four of their last five point spreads. Denver has dropped six of seven, and even though the Broncos are off their bye week, it's worth noting that this franchise is just 3-11 and 11 against the spread over its last 14 road games. So the first half of this week's six-point teaser will be the Chargers moving from minus 7 to minus 1. The second half, big surprise, it's the New Orleans Saints. Minus 8 being teased down to minus 2 as they get set to host the Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints have won 8 straight. They've covered 7 consecutive point spreads and should absolutely shred a depleted Eagles defense that just lost cornerback Ronald Darby for the season due to a torn ACL last Sunday night against Dallas. Philadelphia is an overrated shell of its former self that has covered the number in just two of its last eight outings. Meanwhile, Drew Brees and company, 21-7 against the spread over the last 28 games when coming off a win. Move the Chargers from minus 7 to minus 1. Move the Saints from minus 8 to minus 2 in this edition of our six-point teaser of the week. All right, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Now, they're going to start eh, odd, and then they're going to get more and more obvious. Do you like monkeys with knives? Like I said, hmm, this is intriguing, but perhaps a bit odd. Do you like sports gaming? Now we're starting to warm up. Do you like winning money? Now we're there. Then check out monkeyknifefight.com. That's monkeyknifefight.com. It's the new 100% legal gaming site that everybody's talking about. They have dozens of games and chances to win. Games like Over Under, where you win if you nail two player-based props or hit five props and the winnings even bigger. 
So play now. Enter the promo code COVERS and get a $5 free game and an exclusive instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. That's the promo code COVERS. And if you go into the bio of this podcast, the link is right there. Click the link. Use the promo code COVERS. Boom. That's monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com. How about that ride in? I guess that's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> to Las Vegas we go. He was an integral component of the team that won the 2011 Westgate Super Contest. If you're ever going to play golf in Vegas, you need to check this guy out. BK's Golf Services is the place to go. Brady Cannon joining us here on the Sharp 600. My man. How's life been treating you in Vegas? Uh, it's pretty good, buddy. Golf has uh, been very busy for the fall season. Of course, you know we have great weather here in September and October and early November. So staying busy, booking tee times, but ready for the Thanksgiving holiday. And then we catch a little break. The golf uh, tails off a little bit with the cooler temperatures and uh, the holiday season. So I'm going to eat some turkey and relax and then uh, get ready to book some more golf in the new year. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, before we jump into the Week 11 card, something you specialize in, let's hit on golf. Right in your backyard, Shadow Creek in Las Vegas over the Thanksgiving weekend, Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson. Tiger Woods, a big favorite in the neighborhood of minus 210. You have any lean or insight into how this thing shakes down? I made a couple of different bets on Phil, Joe. Uh, I think I bet him at like 165 plus 165, and then the number kept going up, and I think it was like around plus 185 that I made a second bet on him, and it's kind of stayed right around there. I don't know how much handle they're going to get on this, but I would think if they get anything, uh, the wise guys are going to come in and bet Phil. I just think that's too much value there. I, I mean, when this match first was announced, I figured it would be a pick em. I mean, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, why should there be any one player or the other that would be favored by a lot over the other? Now, it came out originally as Tiger minus 130, and, and I understand that because, you know, Tiger Woods could be in a bass fishing competition at Lake Mead and people would bet on him. <laughs> so, you know, they're shading it minus 130 because they know they're going to take action on, on Tiger. But I think the true line is probably closer to a pick em. And then later in the golf year, Tiger got really hot and, and Phil really cooled off. And then, of course, Tiger won the Tour Championship. So people were piling on uh, betting on Tiger. The other thing to think about is Phil is much more adept at the gambling side of things. We know Phil's love for the gamble. Uh, of course, uh, he famously had the Ravens to win the Super Bowl a while back, and you know he, he is uh, no he's not shy about uh, talking about how he likes to uh, place a wager or two. So. I think in a gambling situation, which this kind of is, you know, mano y mano, and Phil's come out, he says he's going to, you know, bet Tiger 50000 that he misses this putt and that type of thing, and that he can outdrive him. So in that wagering uh, arena, I think that might give Phil a little bit of an edge. I kind of have a feeling he's played in a lot more games with money on the line uh, than Tiger has in his day. So... I don't know if that's any sort of edge, but I think he's probably a little bit more experienced in that way. Tiger, however, I think has an advantage with the golf course. He's played there many times, holds the course record, uh, so he should know the track a little bit better than Phil. I imagine Phil's been out here practicing, so... You know, what it comes down to is I, I think Tiger being favored 2-1 to one is just a little too expensive. All right. You're from the Bay Area, but you live in Vegas now, so you're kind of the perfect guy to talk to about this because I went reverse. I was living in Vegas, and now I'm working in the Bay Area. What's the thought? What's the feeling 
amongst the Vegas community on the Oakland Raiders. I saw a report this week that they're not even going to be shown on TV against Arizona. It's such a bad game. How do people feel about the Raiders who are set to join you guys in a couple years? Well, you know, I think there's uh, mixed opinions on the Khalil Mack trade. Some people just think it was asinine. Other people are taking a more positive approach that, you know, they're going to get a lot of draft picks. And you add the Amari Cooper trade, and, you know, they're going to have a lot of draft picks. And some people are very positive about that. The real question is, are they going to have the astute personnel to make really good draft picks and take advantage uh, of what their plan is here? And that remains to be seen. But we're certainly going to have a brand new team uh, I would not be I, I would be surprised put it this way I would be surprised if Derek Carr is the quarterback when they get to Las Vegas I think they'll probably unload him for more draft picks as well and, and I'm excited about that and, and I understand the situation with Mac I don't think it was the worst thing in the world it's tough to get a get rid of a player like that but I really think the Raiders do need to clean house and now as far as how they're playing you know, the the Raiders in the metrics and in the numbers are a better team than the Raiders on the scoreboard. So there's a lot of wise guys out here that continue to back the Raiders. I was on them last week catching 10 points against the Chargers, and, you know, the back door was open the entire game, and, and they just failed to uh, kick it down. And I have a feeling that's going to be similar here this week with the Cardinals. They'll have an opportunity to win or cover that game, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. And, you know, the, the, the tank word is out there. Are the Raiders tanking? I don't know. I, it doesn't look like it, especially in the first half of games. Uh, I think it's hard to, you know, watch a game and say a team is, is playing for a loss. Uh, you could probably make that case when they played the Niners on Thursday night. They really looked like they had quit in that game. Uh, I think the Raiders are a very tough team to, to bet on uh, because there is that element that uh, who knows if they're really trying to win games. That's probably, I would imagine, a general feeling in the Bay Area as well. Uh, and uh, that just mimics uh, you know, what the thoughts are, are out here in Las Vegas. Tennessee catching one and a half at Indianapolis. The Colts have been better than expected this season. The Titans have come off the bye with a surge. They won on Monday night in Dallas. They hammered the Patriots last week. Are we overvaluing Tennessee a little bit, or is this post-bye Titans team the team we should be believing in? Well, I thought the Titans would be a pretty good team coming into the season, and they sputtered a little bit out of the gate. They had some real big underdog outright victories, and credit Mike Vrabel uh, for putting together excellent game plans. And uh, like I say, they sputtered a little bit, but now they've really caught their stride again. I don't think we are overvaluing them. I, I think they're a very good team. They're very good at the line of scrimmage. And, and I think the Colts are a bit of a mystery and maybe a, a little bit overvalued. They went on a win streak with two straight wins before they went into the bye, uh, but you look at the teams they beat, the Raiders, as we talk about, and then they beat the uh, Buffalo Bills, so that's nothing really too impressive. Now, they had a competitive game against Jacksonville last week. It falls right on the number of three, uh, but they get another victory. Their offense is playing very well, but their defense is still very suspect. Uh, I made the Titans, uh, or I actually made this game uh, a one-and-a-half point favorite in favor of Indianapolis, so I think that uh, the Titans are the better team. The one-and-a-half is just an adjustment for home field advantage there. I, I think this ought to be a very competitive game, but I do lean with Tennessee. New Orleans is laying a big number against Philadelphia, about eight points. The Saints have been fantastic. They've won every single game since losing in week one to Tampa Bay. The Eagles, in my opinion, drastically overvalued this year. They just lost cornerback Ronald Darby to an ACL injury last Sunday night against the Cowboys. 
Big number. Do you lay it in this situation, or do you think Philadelphia shows up in the Big Easy with some fight? I have to take the underdog here, Joe, and I was victim of trying that last week against the Saints. That was a horrible spot for New Orleans. Cincinnati coming off of the bye. They've got the Super Bowl champion on deck next, and they had just come off of that huge victory over the Rams. And what did the Saints do? They proved that they're probably the best team in the NFL and just whitewashed Cincinnati. Uh, so it's, it's tough to go against this team. But I think the situation, uh, again, like the situation was good last week, I think the situation is a is a good one again this week uh, for the opponent of the Saints, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. You mentioned the injury to Darby, and that's big because if they're going to stay close in this game, they have to slow down this Saints offense, and that's probably the toughest thing to do uh, these days in the NFL. Now, if you look at the numbers uh, on the Saints' defensive side of the ball, they're not as good as they were last year. Uh, the tough part about this game for me is the Saints are good in defending the run. And if uh, Philadelphia cannot run the ball in this game, Carson Wentz is really going to have to put together a historical performance to stay close in this game. But we go back to the situation. That's a defending Super Bowl champion, which, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles are. When they play good teams, if you have a Super Bowl defending champion going into a game as an underdog, playing a really good team. This is courtesy of our friend Mark Lawrence. Defending Super Bowl champs are 13-1 and against the spread as a road underdog against a team that has a winning percentage of 825 or better. So, you know, a lot of times trends, you can just throw them out and, uh, you know, there's too much randomness. But I think if you read between the lines in this one, you take a team that's still wearing that collar of the Super Bowl champion. They're playing with a lot of pride week in and week out. And for them to be, quote-unquote, disrespected as a big underdog and a good team like the Saints, a team with a winning percentage of 825 or better, is going to get all of their attention. So I think that's a good situation. And the fact that that situation is 13-1 and against the spread as a road underdog, I think that makes some sense there and puts a little weight into your backing of the underdog this week. Houston coming off the bye. They had won six straight going into the bye. So some might say that this could have disrupted their, quote, momentum. They're going to lay three at Washington. Now, Washington's a divisional leader, but they're probably the softest of the divisional leaders. Do you like the Redskins catching points at home? I do. I actually made the Redskins a favorite in this game, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and I was very surprised to see the Texans come out as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Now it's been knocked down to three. Uh, I feel both of these teams are real soft, Joe. Uh, As far as the division leaders in the NFL, they're certainly the two worst. Um, Neither team is very bad, but they aren't very good. I I just think the spread is wrong. Any time we see the Redskins in a spot where it looks like – They are inferior. They seem to step up and win the game. I am not at all sold on Houston. You look at the games that they have won. They have really been gifted by poor coaching decisions. We saw Frank Reich and the the Colts go for it uh, in overtime and and handed the Texans a win there. Uh, You had a very difficult contest with the Buffalo Bills, with the Tennessee Titans, and then the Denver Broncos when Vance Joseph tries to kick the long field goal. Jason Garrett uh, punts in the fourth quarter, you know, against the Dallas Cowboys, they've really been handed a lot of victories, and I just do not think they are as good as their record says so. Sunday night football, the Chicago Bears minus two and a half against Minnesota. I find that to be a very interesting line. Chicago not getting the full three points, not laying the full three points 
What do you make of this one? The Bears have been cooking, but a lot of people will point to the fact that they haven't really beaten anyone of a high caliber yet. Yeah, you're exactly right. They have not. They, they've beaten Tampa Bay. They've beaten the Lions. They've beaten the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they've beaten the Detroit Lions. I guess I said the Lions. There's another team I miss. Oh, the Bills. They beat the Bills. Um, but they are impressive, and they have a very good defense. I actually made this line two and a half, exactly what it is, and then it opened up for just a short period of time at three and a half. And I'm telling you, every wise guy in town, it seems, is on the Vikings this week. Uh, I'm staying away from this game, Joe. When I crunch all my numbers, I have the Bears winning by 1.83 points, so basically a, <laughs> a two-point victory for the Bears. So that is certainly not enough uh, in one direction or the the other for me to make a bet on this game uh, just against the traditional spread. However, I think it is a very good bet to tease the Minnesota Vikings up to eight and a half. You cross the three, you cross the four, you cross the six, the seven, the seven and a half, and the eight. I think you get a lot of value in teasing the Vikings up in this game for what ought to be a really good, hard-fought game, and I think it's a field goal either one way or another for either team. Monday night, the game we've all been waiting for, the Rams laying three and a half against Kansas City, over under 63. This was originally scheduled for Mexico City, but because of the conditions of the field, the NFL did the right thing and moved it to Los Angeles. Let's start with the side. Two great offenses, two defenses with some question marks. Do you like the idea of laying the points with the Rams, or would you rather have three and a half in your pocket with Patrick Mahomes? I think this one is really tough to call, Joe, because it feels to me like this is going to be a shootout going back and forth, and the team with the ball last is going to win the game. And that could easily be the Rams, and they win by four or five points. It could be the the Chiefs uh, trying to get through the back door, and they lose by one or two points. Uh, you know, it just seems that it's going to come down to that final possession. Uh, you're going to be sweating this one the entire time, it seems. And uh, again, it could go either way in the final moments of the game. I'm really looking forward to watching it. Now, I made the spread in this one, too, in favor of the Rams, a two-point favorite, uh, and that was in Mexico City. Now, it immediately adjusted to three and a half. Uh, I think it even may have come out four uh, when they moved it to Los Angeles, but I'm not buying that Los Angeles is that much of a home field advantage adjustment. Uh, you know, there probably is going to be more Chiefs fans, I would bet, than there are Rams fans in L.A. on Monday night. Now, you also have to take into account the California fires, and I don't know how many people in Los Angeles are going to want to show up for this game uh, you know, if the air quality is poor, and, and that's something to check before you make a bet on this game. Try and see what it is like down there in Los Angeles, and on the other hand, I don't know if Chiefs fans care. Uh, they may not be necessarily aware of the fires, whatever. Chiefs fans travel pretty well, and I think they would be very excited to go to Los Angeles and see their team play uh, against arguably the best team in the NFL uh, in a primetime game. So I, I think the home field advantage is really nil, and uh, I would probably still make my spread two or two and a half and not adjust it all the way up to three and a half or four. So I think from a line uh, standpoint, there is value on the Chiefs here, uh, but it's a tough one to get involved in because uh, – you're probably going to be biting your nails all the way to the bitter end in this one. By kickoff, the over-under of 63 could be could go down as the highest over-under in NFL history. To me, it feels like the Sharps will line up on the under and the public will be lining up on the over. Does that sound like the general sense of how this might go Monday? 
Exactly. Yeah, there, there are a lot of sharps out there that have taken uh, the under in this game just basically on principle because, like you say, it's the highest total ever. And, you know, to get to that number is going to take an awful lot of scoring. And you just think about it. If one team at any point in this game happens to go on a seven or eight minute drive, there goes your over. You know, so it, it just takes one little slip up uh, of either of these two heavyweights to uh, really le- start leaning towards the under in this game. But <laughs> I'll tell you, I- I'm not going to be betting the under, and I'm not going to bet the over. If you held a gun to my head, Joe, and made me go one way or another, I think I'd actually go over. I mean, that's the NFL that we live in today. Uh, you know, we don't see any more totals of 37, 38. We barely see any more totals of 41, 42. Everything has been escalated, and I think we're probably going to get that on Monday night. But, again, just on principle – it would be an underplay, but, but I'm not ready to do it. Final question. Anything else out there that we haven't talked about that you might be keeping a close eye on? I like the Panthers this week, Joe. Uh, we saw them on Thursday night, last Thursday night, get embarrassed by the Steelers. And it looked like it was going to be a great game uh, from the outset where the Panthers went right down the field and, and scored on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh comes back. It really looked like it was going to be a back-and-forth affair. And then the wheels just came off for Carolina, and Pittsburgh uh, steamrolled them. But in that situation, Carolina was with extra rest, uh, coming off of a situation where they get blown out and they go into a bounce-back game against a very inferior opponent here in the Detroit Lions, they have a tremendous uh, success rate. Uh, I think they're certainly the better team here. Uh, I don't think four points is enough. I think they win this one by double digits. If you're ever in Vegas and you want to play golf, you got to check him out, BK's Golf Services. Follow him on Twitter for more info on that, at Las Vegas Golfer. He was part of the Westgate Super Contest victory team in 2011. Brady Cannon with us here on the Sharp 600. Buddy, I love you. Thanks for coming on today. Have a great Thanksgiving. Look forward to doing it again soon. You too, my friend. Thanks for having me. going to be up 500 by midnight. Yeah, NFL Week 10, we went 2-1-1 one, and one with our picks, which means our NFL total on the season. 22 wins, 17 defeats. One push. Here come your week 11 picks. All right, game number one, it's the Tennessee Titans plus one and a half at Indianapolis to take on the Colts Sunday, 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific, Lucas Oil Stadium. The Titans slid into their week eight by riding a three-game losing streak in which the team had scored a grand total of just 31 points. Even worse, Tennessee entered that bye week following a seven-game start to the season that featured exactly one performance in which the club recorded more than 20 points in a game. Pathetic. But have you checked this squad out since that week eight bye? Since coming off their bye, the Titans have defeated the Cowboys in Dallas on Monday night and the Patriots in Nashville last Sunday by a combined score of 62-24. to Marcus Mariota looks like a different quarterback. The defense is flying to the football, and for good measure, take note that the Colts have covered the number just twice over their last 10 divisional showdowns. Take the one-and-a-half points with Tennessee as the Titans make it three in a row. Game number two, Houston minus three at Washington. Sunday, 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific, FedEx Field. I usually hate absolutely hate laying points on the road in the NFL, but the Redskins might be the most overrated team in the business. Washington ranks 18th in yards per play and 26th in yards per play allowed. 
They've notched six wins against teams with a combined 21, 33, and one record. And they're four and 11 against the spread over the last 15 games when coming off a win. They're inconsistent. They can't string it together. And quite frankly, they're leading the worst division in football. Yet, they're going to face Houston this weekend. And the Texans are coming off their bye week. They have won six straight, and they boast a defense that is permitting an average of just 15.2 points per game over the last five weeks. Lay the field goal. The Texans are going to make it seven in a row. Game number three, we talked about it in our six-point teaser of the week. It's the Chargers laying seven against the Broncos. Sunday, 4.05 Eastern, 105 Pacific, StubHub Center in Southern California. Joey Bosa should be back in the mix for this one, but we're siding with the Chargers on Sunday regardless. Denver may be off a bye, but the Broncos are very, very poorly coached, and they're just 5-15-1 against the spread over the last 21 games overall. Remember, Los Angeles is tied with both the Rams and the Chiefs in yards per play this season which is extremely good company to keep from an offensive perspective. And they're riding a six-game winning streak with four of those last five victories coming by eight or more points. This is going to be a trendy pick, but we're laying the seven with Phillip Rivers and company anyway. Game number four, Monday Night Football. The Chiefs at the Rams. The over-under is 63 points. 8-15 Eastern, 5-15 Pacific, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. When this game kicks off in L.A. on Monday night, it's likely to be going off with the highest closing over under in NFL history, highlighting the situation as your classic pros versus Joes matchup with the sophisticated bettors getting set to back the under, in my opinion, and the public betting the over. But you know what? The public doesn't lose them all. And I tend to side with them in this spot. The Rams and Chiefs are tied for first in the NFL in yards per play. They're tied for 24th in yards per play allowed. And both have notched 30 or more points in eight of 10 games this season. These guys mirror one another. In fact, Rams head coach Sean McVay was talking about how he was stealing Andy Reid's plays this season. This one is going to be a track meet, and the NFL does deserve a round of applause for moving it off that mess of a track in Mexico City and back to L.A. where it can be played on a proper gridiron. Give me the over 63 total points in what could be the NFL's game of the year. To recap, your six-point teaser of the week, Take the Saints from minus eight to minus two. Pair it up with the Chargers, who you're going to move from minus seven to minus one. Take the one and a half with the Titans at Indy. Lay the three with Houston at Washington. Lay the seven with the Chargers hosting the Broncos and go over 63 total points, Chiefs Rams. A reminder, next week, Monday, we will have a Monday night preview with your three Thanksgiving games. And on Tuesday, we're looking to roll out episodes for both the NFL and college football. But for now, thank you all so much for your continued support. Have an excellent weekend. Be well and best of luck.